Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people that know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. All right, good morning. It's great to see you all this morning. I've heard it said that not all singing churches are healthy churches, but all healthy churches sing. If that's true, we're a healthy church. Y'all, we're singing. I think that's one of the most beautiful things about being on the front row. So for all of you back row Baptist folk, you know who I'm talking about? When you sit on the front row, I'm waving at you back. When you sit on the front row, you never know what's going to happen, but I can tell you, you'll hear the voice, you'll hear the voices, and it is powerful, it's worshipful, but I will also tell you, it's on the front row where the Holy Spirit works, <laughs> which I think is the reason why you're on the back row. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I love you. I love you. I love you. It's great to see you. Great to be here to worship with you this morning. We're going to continue our series, Matthew chapter 7. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. We're talking about as it is in heaven, how you and I can be a church who is an embassy for the kingdom of heaven on this earth. How do we live in the world and not be of the world? How do we do that? What does that look like in our daily life? And today we're going to continue that series. We'll be in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. So I don't know about you, but there's a series of phrases, words that I've heard my whole life. And to be honest with you, oftentimes I don't even know what they mean. But I say them because everybody in my life has said them. And so this morning, maybe you can relate with me uh, with a particular phrase. It goes something like this. I bet you can even say it with me. The proof is in the... Is it pudding or is it pudding? That's debatable. That's debatable. The proof is in the pudding. Did you know, I don't know if you knew this or not, but did you know that that phrase originated in the 14th century? Yeah. That's a long time coming. Now, our version of that is a simplified version of the original statement. The original statement was, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. I know, I thought that was pretty interesting too. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. So it's not in the ingredients, but rather it's in the experience. You don't know pudding, pudding, until you put it in your mouth and you taste it. It's in the experience of it that proves whether or not it is pudding. Now here's the deal. I'm going to let you in on, a, on, a, on an interesting secret. I know that many of you in this room would say that your mom or your grandmother or your great-grandmother has the best banana pudding. And I'm just going to tell you, she's wrong. You're wrong. (laughs) My mom has the best banana pudding ever. And I'm telling you, the proof is in the eating. I can eat a whole pan of it. And unfortunately, I have done that. In my earlier years when I could get away with that, now I can't. But pudding is pudding, right? Now, we all know the difference between pudding and pudding, right? CC's, no offense. If you're a CC's person, forgive me. But that is not pudding. 
That's not banana pudding. There is a difference, and the difference is in the experience. It's in the taste. Now, it's a good thing we can start off by laughing and smiling and having a good time early on. But you need to know that today is one of the most difficult passages to hear, and it's one of the most difficult passages to preach. As a matter of fact, I would argue most folks would uh, avoid this one because it's tough. It's tough. What you and I are going to talk about this morning is really, really tough. And, and here's kind of the main thrust of it. I want you to hear me very clearly because here's the deal. You could walk out of this room feeling extremely confused, very confident, but there's a tendency when you preach a message like this to walk out of here and to be confused. And, and my prayer this week has been that we would walk out of here confident in who we are and what we know to be true. Okay, so you with me? So here's the deal. Okay, there's two groups of people. What Jesus is going to say, there are two groups of people. There are those who consider themselves Christians who aren't. And then there are those who would consider themselves Christians who are. So Jesus is going to help us see this morning. He's going to help us to discern where we're at. In a room this size, it would be naive for any of us to think that those two groups of people aren't in this room this morning. So all that being said, here's the main point of my sermon. You should write this down. I want you to write this down because this is incredibly important. And I want, to be, I want it to be as clear as possible. Jesus, saying, Jesus is saying to us this morning, the salvation, salvation, entrance into the kingdom, what we've been talking about, this idea of the kingdom, is proven genuine through a relationship with God, and then it is worked out in obedience to Him and His Word. Was that clear? This means Yes. I need to know that when I walk out of here this morning, when I step down these stairs, I need to know that everybody's doing this. This is important. I'm going to say it again. You're welcome. <laughs> Salvation or entrance into the kingdom of heaven is proven genuine through a relationship with God lived out in obedience to his word. So with that being said, let's see what Jesus writes to us, what he says to us. Okay, Matthew 7, verse 21. Jesus says, this is his words, not mine. Don't shoot the messenger. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So again, in this text, in Jesus' words, there are two groups of people that on the last day, the last day of their life, they're going to go from this world into the next, and they're going to stand before Jesus, and two groups of people are going to stand there hopeful. There's group number one, and then there's group number two. Group number one are those 
who were going to stand hopeful before him as though they had punched their ticket to heaven, and they're going to be surprised to hear the words, Depart from me. I never knew you. Now, there's two characteristics that Jesus uses to describe these people. In verse 21, Jesus says, number one, that these folks are those who do God's will on earth, that are doing God's will on earth, but in reality are only doing it for themselves and for their kingdoms. So those are people who are going to stand hopeful before God, knowing that they've done a lot of good for Him, but in reality, they were doing it more for them than they were for the kingdom of God. And that might be the first time that they've ever really known that. The second characteristic is that group, group two folks are those people who mistake busyness for God for a relationship with Him. They have a tendency to mistake all of these things that I'm doing for God with a relationship with Him. An example of such folks are those who build water wells, who work for the Red Cross, local food pantries. Included in this group are, well, are, are, are many well-meaning people who have stellar church attendance, very active, involved in their Sunday school classes, who've been on mission, tri mission trips all around the world. They've fed the hungry, clothed the homeless. They are well-meaning people who will stand before God and say, Lord, look at all the things that I have done for you and your kingdom. Look at all these things. Look at the influence I've had. Look at everything that I have done for you and your kingdom. And then they're going to hear the words, Depart from me, I never knew you. Despite all the good that they have done on this earth, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So that's group number one. All right, group number two. Group number two, folks, those are people who will enter the kingdom of heaven. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, they will know that they were going to enter into the kingdom of God. Now again, there's two characteristics that would describe these two people, or these, this group of people. In verse 21, Jesus says, number one, these folks are those who are doing God's will on earth for his glory rather than their own. The second characteristic of group number two is that these folks are those who are known in relationship by him. That's the distinguishing factor. They are known in relationship by Jesus himself. For these folks, it is their relationship with God that influences their doing for him and his kingdom. Their doing for him is not about them, but it's about him. And it's an overflow of a relationship that they enjoy with their father. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about the difference between these two people, between these two groups of people, rather. The difference in the first characteristic is in the word integrity. Integrity. According to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, integrity is defined like this. A formal adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values. 
don't know about you, but in my home growing up, I was taught that a person of an integrity is someone who lives their morals and values in front of people, but also behind closed doors. It's the same person in front of people that you are when no one else is looking. It's to be a person of integrity. How many of you guys have seen the the well-known TV show, Leave it to Beaver? Y'all seen that? That's a good show. It's a good show. It was a sitcom and aired between 1957 and 63. Told a suburban life in the mid-20th century. Right, it, told, it tells the story of a, of a family, the Cleavers, and it actually tells the story through the lens of young Beaver. His nickname is Beaver, Beaver Cleaver. Beaver has an older brother named Wally. I might remember Wally. And then Wally has a, a best friend named Eddie Haskell. You remember Eddie? Everybody laughs. We remember Eddie, don't we? Yeah, it, it's not uncommon for Eddie to walk into the room Right, walk into the house, open up the door, walk straight to the kitchen, see Mrs. Cleaver, and, and he say something like, oh, well, Miss Cleaver, your hair looks beautiful today. With that grin, that smile, you put on the face. But then as soon as he goes upstairs, it would not be uncommon for, Be- or for, for, for Eddie to pick on Beaver, to verbally abuse him. He's kind of known as the, the, the sarcastic uh, uh, suck up, so to speak, right? That's, that was who Eddie was. I don't know if you knew this or not, but psychologists have even come up with an Eddie Haskell syndrome. <laughs> Eddie Haskell syndrome. It's for people who have one personality for superiors or people of influence and another personality for others. And I think what Jesus is saying here is that it's one thing to be busy doing great things. It's wonderful to be busy doing great things for the kingdom, but it is behind closed doors where the proof is in the pudding. It's behind closed doors. It's in the integrity of our relationship with him that flows into our our obedience for him that our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven is proven genuine. To put it another way, God is not impressed with our doing for him. He's not impressed by all the things that we do for him. There's not enough Bible studies to attend, Sunday schools to be a member of, mission trips to be a part of. There's not an amount of good that we can ever stand before him and say, but look at all that I've done. There's no amount of good that you or I or anyone else on this earth can do to hear the words, enter into my rest, my good and faithful servants. Entrance into the kingdom of God is by belief in the person and the work of Jesus, what he has done on your behalf believing that he came to this earth, gave his life for you and for me on the cross, on the third day was resurrected from the grave, and that for all who put their faith and their trust in him, in him, it is by accepting that that you and I have entrance into the kingdom. And what Jesus is saying to you and to me is that that profession of faith 
is proven genuine by a relationship with him that is worked out in obedience to him and his will, to his word. Don Carson, he puts it this way. He says, it is true, of course, that no man enters the kingdom because of his obedience. But it is equally true that no man enters the kingdom who is not obedient. It is true that men are saved by God's grace through faith in Christ, but it is also equally true that God's grace in a man's life inevitably results in obedience. Any other view of grace cheapens grace and it turns it into something unrecognizable. A life that proclaims one thing, yet lives out another, apart from a relationship with Jesus, makes salvation unrecognizable. That's what Jesus is saying. And that leads us to the difference in characteristic two. So the first difference is integrity. The second characteristic, and this is, you need to hear this this morning, is that there is a difference between knowing and knowing. There's a difference between knowing and knowing. In verse 23, Jesus offers some of the most daunting words in all of the Bible. He says, many will say to me, look, Lord, look at all that I have done. And Jesus is going to say, but I never knew you. Notice that he doesn't say, you didn't know him. He says, I never knew you. There is a difference between knowing a lot about something or someone and then knowing them in personal experience through a relationship. There is a difference between knowing about someone and knowing them in experience, in an experiential relationship. You know, I love sports. It is not uncommon for me that if I ever get some time to myself, which is not very often, but if I do, it would not be uncommon for me to turn on the TV and to find a good sports documentary or to read a sports documentary. I love what you can learn from these great athletes, some of the greatest of all times. And over the last couple of years, there's been a resurgence, first with Peyton Manning and the book of Eli. That was a great one. I don't know if you saw that, but it was good. Then there was Michael Jordan's The Last Dance. Maybe you saw that. It was great. And then after that, it was Tom Brady's uh, Man in the Arena. And then after that, this more recently, was the one on Derek Jeter called The Captain. One of the things that I love about this is it tells their life. You can learn so much about their life. You can learn about the way they grew up. You can learn about their moms and their dads. You can learn about their strengths, their weaknesses, their kids, their hobbies, their interests. You can even learn their dog's name. You can know a whole lot about them to the point where you actually feel like you know them personally. But here's the deal. If Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or Michael Jordan or Derek Jeter ever were in Belton, Texas, and I have no idea why they would ever be in Belton, Texas, but let's just say they were. And let's just say while they were here, they ran to the grocery store because they needed to pick up some food. And let's also just say that I showed up at HEB at the same time. And let's just say that I walk up to one of them and I say, Tom, it's great to see you, man. Hey, how's that arm? I know it's been hurting you. Hey, man, how's your wife? How are your kids? They doing well? It's been a long time since I've seen them. What do you think Tom is going to say to me? Who are you? And why do you know all this about me? 
I think you see where I'm going. It's one thing to know a whole lot about someone. It's quite another thing to know them in relationship. I think that's the point that Jesus is making here. What Jesus is helping us see is that there is a big difference in knowing a lot about God and then actually knowing him in a relationship, in our experience with him. Now, unfortunately, social media doesn't help us here, does it? Because for whatever reason, we can get on social media and I can take a picture of everything that I eat, which is kind of strange anyway, by the way. Right? I take a picture of all the places that I've gone, the people that I do life with. We broadcast this idea that you can know me without actually knowing me. That I can know you without actually knowing you. But the reality is, is that I can know a whole lot about you based on what you post. But I don't actually know anything about you. Because what I post on social media is quite a different thing than real life. There's a difference between knowing and knowing. This is the point that Kyle Eidelman talks about in his book, Not a Fan. Maybe some of you have read that book. He talks about that there's a difference between being a fan and being a follower. In fact, he defines a fan in this way. He says that the dictionary defines a fan as an enthusiastic admirer. Fans have a tendency to confuse their knowledge for intimacy. They don't recognize the difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. The problem isn't knowledge. The problem is that you can have knowledge without having intimacy. In fact, knowledge can be a false indicator of intimacy. Clearly, where there is intimacy, there should be a growing knowledge. But all too often, there is knowledge without a growing intimacy. Knowledge is certainly a part of intimacy, but just because there is knowledge doesn't mean that there is intimacy. Just because there's knowledge doesn't mean that there's intimacy. By their very nature, true relationships are intimate. They're intimate. And it is from this position of intimacy that we can live in accordance with and follow through on God's will for our lives. Apart from an intimate relationship with Him, your doing for Him is going to lead to nothing but burnout, exhaustion, and frustration. And there are many Christians who are living today exhausted and frustrated because they're so focused on all the things that they can do for God and for His kingdom, but they have forgotten that it is our being in Him that influences our doing for Him. In other words, they've put the cart before the horse. There is a difference in you and I knowing Him and knowing Him in relationship and walking with Him and growing with Him and talking with Him and spending time with Him that our obedience to Him becomes just an overflow of our everyday life, our everyday, our everyday relationship with Him. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? On the last day, when you cross from this earth into the next, will it be an introduction 
or will it be a reunion? Like Tom Brady, me walking up to Tom Brady, will it be, who are you? Or will it be, man, it's great to see you. We've been walking together this whole time, and now here you are, you made it. Enter in, good and faithful servant, my friend. There is a difference. There is a difference. So you may be asking yourself, what is the essential characteristic of the true believer, the genuine disciple of Christ? And here's the answer to that. The essential characteristic of a genuine disciple of Christ is an obedience to God that is an overflow of an intimate relationship with Him. That is the key characteristic. That is the proof in the pudding. The relationship makes all the difference. You know, over the last week, I was talking to one of my good friends, and he was sharing with me this story about his dad. It's a really, really great story that illustrates this point really, really well. His dad, he grew up in a local church, small country church just outside of town. He was able to accept Christ as a teenager. And from that point on, as he grew up with the church, he served on committees, went to a lot of Bible studies, helped out with men's ministry and many, many different other things. But in his 30s, he and his family had the opportunity to go to a revival. There he heard the gospel clearly preached. And as they left there, his dad spent a lot of time wrestling through, man, do I have a relationship with this Jesus that I claim? Night and day, he spent time working through, man, do I have a relationship with him? By the end of the week, he came to the realization that no, he didn't. He was doing a whole lot of things for God, but didn't have a relationship with him. And so it was there in his 30s where he finally surrendered and made Jesus Lord and Savior of his life. He began that relationship. Now, my best friend describes his dad on the other side of this, completely transformed, but not only him, but also their family. From that moment on, he was filled with joy. He served different. He looked different. There was a transformation that took place in his life. And that transformation came from a relationship with Jesus. And the reason being, this is the reason why I tell you all of this, is that an intimate relationship with Jesus makes all the difference between groups one and two. A relationship with Jesus makes all the difference. Now hear me, I want to tell you this, this is important. Now maybe you're in the room and you're thinking, well man, I thought I did that. I thought I did that. I thought I made that profession of faith. I would ask you, do you have a relationship with him? Man, praise God for that profession, but do you have a relationship with him? Are you walking with him? Are you doing that John 15 to the best of your ability, abiding with him? It's important to know that relationships just don't start at maturity, right? Relationships have to start somewhere and they grow to maturity. So what I'm not saying is, is that from the moment you made a profession of faith that all of a sudden you're this strong, mature Christian. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. 
But it is to say that there ought to have been a point in your life where you have said yes to him and that over the course of time you have grown in a relationship with him. You have grown in your trust and in your love for him. That your daily walk with him has grown and it's grown and it's grown. I mean, just like a marriage, you and I both know, right? You start dating. Over time, you get to know that person. You build trust in that person. Then all of a sudden, you make the decision to say, hey, this is the person I want to do life with. I want to marry this person. And then you continue growing. It's the same thing in your relationship. You date Jesus. You determine, is this the person I want to give my life to? Right? Then you make the decision, I want to marry this one. Yes, I believe the truth that he came to this earth, that he gave his life for me. You put your faith and your trust in him, that he's purchased your sin and that he rose from the dead. And so now you live in his righteousness. And then from that moment, you ought to, again, have a growing relationship with him. And then that, the proof, so to speak, of that growing relationship with him is an active obedience to him and to his word. Do you have that? The proof is in the pudding. It's, it's in the experience it's in the relationship. The relationship makes all the difference. Now, for some of you in the room, you're going, hey, man, I did that, and I'm growing. Hey, keep growing. Keep thriving. Keep growing. Keep pouring water and letting the, 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 the growth of your heart, let it, let it grow. Let it thrive. Keep going. Keep going. But if you're in the room and you're thinking, man, I, I've never had a relationship with Jesus, listen. I have a group of folks, a team of people who are going to be here right after the service who would love to do nothing more than to walk you through how you can begin a relationship with him, how you can foster that relationship and how you can grow with that relationship. So right after the service, I want you to stick around. Again, I've got plenty of people, men and women, who are going to be here who would love to counsel with you, pray with you, and walk you through that. Don't let today be the day that you walk away and just chalk it up to, well, I'll figure it out. Listen, you're doing for God will not be enough to get you in there. But a relationship will. A relationship with Jesus will get you in there each and every time. It's a relationship that makes all the difference. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today knowing that your word is not always easy, but it is true. And because it's true, it bears weight and authority over our lives to the point where we have to deal with even the hard things that you say. Father, this morning is not an attempt to scare or to frighten or to confuse, but rather to help us all leave confidently in who we are, whether we're in you or whether we're not, to discern the truth of where we stand before you, God, my prayer all week has been, Lord, that, that every one of us in this room would stand before you and we would not be introducing ourselves at that point. But God, it would be a sweet reunion of one who is a friend, 
who's developed a relationship over the course of their life with you that hears the word, enter into my rest, you good and faithful servant, you faithful friend. God, may that be said of us this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon. Whether we're in you or whether we're not, to discern the truth of where we stand before you, God, my prayer all week has been, Lord, that, that every one of us in this room would stand before you and we would not be introducing ourselves at that point. But God, it would be a sweet reunion of one who is a friend, who's developed a relationship over the course of their life with you, that hears the word, enter into my rest, you good and faithful servant, you faithful friend. God, may that be said of us this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Logan. Just so we have the privilege.